What happens when three runners from different parts of the country with different running stories all get together? Pure run talk madness. So listen in as we talk about all things running related and some things that maybe aren't running related as it's bound to be a good time. This is Run Run Talk Talk Live. Live. Welcome to episode four of Run Talk Live. Hey, hey. You know, I, now I was gonna ask, are we gonna do a welcome to episode so and so for for from here till forever? Because I think it'd be funny when we listen to it. Welcome to episode one thousand three hundred and twelve of Run Talk <laughs> Live. We totally should. I think we should. Let's do it. Go for it. Yeah. All right, listener, hold us accountable. We're doing it. <laughs> so at least 1,312, because that's the number I said. That's the the number. <laughs> and then we'll flash back to this. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know, we are in the presence of greatness, guys. Chase won his hometown half marathon. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I live in a small town, so... The competition was fierce, but I overcame it. Did you get, did they interview, like, was news there? Did you get interviewed by anyone? Like, locally, yeah. I want to see this clip. Where's that clip at? Um, I don't think it was like a, it wasn't a video. It was on the radio. Oh. We weren't good enough for TV. (laughs) Yet. There's a picture of, there's a picture on Facebook, I think, of, of me getting interviewed, but. How small is small? Like, what's the population of your town? Twenty thousand. I see. I don't consider that a small town. In all honesty, I mean, that's a town compared to a city. But to me, that's like a mid-sized town. I feel like. Uh, Yeah, I mean, as far as towns go, yeah, it's probably mid to mid to large town. But when you consider that, I'm pretty sure. John Mellencamp's I was born in a small town is about uh, Bloomington, Indiana, which is about three times the size of Vincennes. I think that would constitute it as a small town. Well, to put it into perspective, and you can, and you're a Googler, Chase, so you can Google this for to fact check me. I grew up in a town called Lewiston, California, which had just over 900 people in the town. Uh, we were a small town. Yes. Yeah, we were the second largest town in the county, and we were the only county in the entire state of California that did not have a single stoplight in the entire county. <laughs> That's where I grew up. So when I hear small town, I think of like okay, a thousand people, or you know, like we had our post office was also our gas station, our grocery store, and our restaurant. We had a little pizza shop. It was all in the post office. Yeah, we're we're not that small. <laughs> I mean, we're not, and yeah, I say small town, it's like I said, it's kind of referred to as a small town, but I mean, we have a, a fair amount of stuff. It's, we've gotten a lot of good uh, options as far as food goes the last few years. There's a Texas Roadhouse, there's a Culver's, there's, there yeah, we're, we're booming there. See, we had to I shut down our Arby's though. I don't understand small towns because, you know, Dallas 
has, I mean, there's only what, 2 million people. So that's, I can't even imagine like 20,000 people. Is that where you've been your whole life too, Dallas? Yeah. Born and raised. And, you know, I finally moved just outside Dallas because I was so annoyed with the Dallas traffic and the congestion. So I'm about now, I'm probably about 25 minutes outside of Dallas and it's done wonders. Like, I feel like I can breathe now. Do you have any connections to Mark Cuban? Do you think you can you know, pull a string or two? Yes. So one of my friend's dads is the announcer, like the radio announcer for the Dallas Mavericks. Carolyn, are you holding out on us right now? So we're, we, yeah, go, go. are you holding out? <laughs> Dallas Mavericks? Um, it's never been brought up. So, hmm. so what's your connection to Mark Cuban, Jake? <laughs> I don't have a connection to Mark Cuban. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Carolyn lives in Dallas, <laughs> which is where Mark Cuban owns the Dallas Mavericks. Mark Cuban went to Indiana University, which is just right up the road from me. So, yeah. So basically, on a Mark Cuban experience. My connection is he's on my favorite reality TV show and gives people money. So, <laughs> and I, and I watch it. Are they still having episodes of Shark Tank out? I mean, I don't know if it, I, I watch them on YouTube, but I don't know. If, I, I think they're still doing it. Like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they do. Kevin, Kevin so, Hart yeah. was a guest host on Shark Tank not too long ago. all right well listener hopefully you've started your long run or your cup of coffee and hopefully mark cuban is not uh listening i apologize mark we probably uh insulted you in some way hopefully he he is listening yes 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 he's gonna invest in our podcast absolutely yes it's like the shark tank for podcasts it's like mark cuban if you're out there (laughs) <laughs> we got three people here. We'll gladly share our number with you. <laughs> Just email us, please, Mark. So we have proof. Oh man. Okay, okay. Okay, back 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 to running stuff. Back to running. So did either of you have a race this weekend? Carolyn. I I did. So and there's an interesting story behind that. So I met with my coach back in January to kind of plan the entire race schedule for the year. And we had decided that this past weekend I was going to run the 10 K. Okay. And I signed up for the 10 K and I look at my schedule for the week and there's the half marathon written there. And I panicked because I mean, I just now started base building for Chicago. I'm not really in any endurance shape, like certainly not half marathon pace shape. And so quickly, you know, changed my registration and then just went into the half wanting to have fun and ran with a friend. And I mean, I got through it. It definitely wasn't the slowest time. Wasn't my, you know, anywhere near my PR, but I figured out fueling. Like I figured out that I need to take a caffeine gel at mile seven or eight regardless. But, you know, I can tell that my fitness is improving because this was a really hilly half marathon and I felt pretty strong. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the fact that you did that with like surprise here's a half marathon go do it like that's that's pretty cool and seriously i have the email or the google drive sheet from january that says the 10k and then i have the schedule that says half marathon so i'm like apparently my coach has more faith in me than i do well did you you know meet your expectations for as far as time goes I really didn't have a time goal, you know, like usually I'll go in and be like, oh, I want to hit this pace, but I wanted to run around an 830 pace and I pretty much did. Do you feel that that made the race like a better experience for you, not having the pressure of having to run a specific time? Yes, but also I still, you know, had those thoughts at mile one thinking crud, like I have to run for almost two hours. Like it's, it's been a really long time since I've run timed for two hours, you know, just getting back into it, I guess. And what shoes did you wear, Carolyn? I ran in the Saucony Endorphin Pro 2s. Okay. You know, I run in the Brooks uh, Hyperion Elites and the Brooks Hyperion Maxes for all of my races up until this point. And I just, I wanted to change just for this race. Well, that's fair. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's fair. And the, the, the Saucony, like, I feel like you can't really go wrong with too many of the Saucony shoes. I, I, I stand by most of them. So, yeah. Yeah. And guys, oh my gosh. Okay, so in the last podcast episode, I mentioned that I was going to get the Vaporflies, mm -hmm. and they were actually delivered today. Oh, were they? Where? Yeah. Now, are you allowed to post a video about that, though? I don't know. <laughs> I know I can post pictures, but I can't tag Nike, and Brooks follows me on social media, so I kind of have to tread pretty lightly. Okay. Well, I would be maybe here, maybe even separately. I, I'd be curious to like, like I know you've tested them, but I'd be curious to get your like full on reaction about them. Yeah, need a need a some sort of a review video, or maybe just talk about it on the live next week. You know, maybe I could do like I could compare the Hyperion Max or the Hyperion Elite to the Vaporfly. Like, I feel like that would fly. That would that would go over well. Yeah, I'd love to hear you say that the Vaporflies are better than <laughs> exactly. all the shoes you have. Because <laughs> that, that's what you're going to say. <laughs> or that's what you're going to think. Whether or not that's what you're going to say, I don't know. But Man. <laughs> we have that much faith in the Vaporfly. I just... It's, I don't feel like it's over-exaggerated faith. I feel like it's pretty, pretty accurate. Okay. I'll, I'll keep you guys updated. I'll be, yeah, I'll be curious. Well, still cool. That's, that's awesome. I, I told you guys I was going to go get those shoes because I had a discounted, you know, option to do it. I actually ended up not doing it. Uh, so I have not picked up those shoes yet. The threes? Yeah. Hmm. You know, I honestly feel like I know there was a lot of hype at first, but to be honest with you, I haven't really seen a lot of athletes wearing them. The threes. I yeah. Don't, I don't know that I did either. I know there was a group of 
Kenyans at London that were wearing prototype Alpha Fly 3s. Um, and then the winner, Kelvin Kiptum, he was wearing the 2s. So, yeah, I'd, I'm oh. with you. I guess we're not seeing a lot of the 3s. Did you guys hear about the controversy with his shoes? No. So he was actually signed to another brand. And I don't remember the brand. I know it's not a U.S. brand. And he ran in the Vaporflies. And he's a Nike he's runner, though. How is he not allowed to wear them? Yeah. Well, he signed with this other brand. No, he signed with yeah, Nike. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because I'm pretty sure he's only signed with Nike. Like he can't unless he, for some reason, left Nike. But I feel like we would have heard about that too. Yeah. I need to find this because it was like a. It was. I saw it today on my. Oh, feed. I see. Okay, so I'm seeing some contract dispute. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's nothing. I feel like it'll end up being okay because it's such like a a, a gray line. Yeah, there's they don't have anything. It's just a a dispute that was filed, but it's nothing. Huh. Oh, well. Well, speaking yeah. of the London Marathon, should we get into it? Dude, Kelvin Kiptum. What about what? him? 23 years old. Second marathon, man. His, he's got a faster average marathon time than anybody ever in history. Because both of his marathons have been under 202. I was going to say, how long until he beats Kipchoge's fastest time? So, so that's a good question because, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot the last few days. He's 14 years younger than Kipchoge was when he set his most recent world record last September at Berlin. 14 years. Yeah. And it's just kind of incredible to think about. But at the same time, you know, we've talked a lot about how marathon runners tend to peak in their mid thirties. So are we just like, I just don't know. You know, you also hear stories about young prodigies in every sport that fizzle out and don't end up, you know, achieving their potential. So, yeah. So, I mean, the question would be, is he peaking too early, you know, or is this just the beginning? Well, I mean, he's only ran two marathons, so, yeah, it's hard to justify always oh, peaking too early or he's going to peak in a couple of years. I mean, it's it's a possibility, but I think I think we're we're seeing like a new just what evolution, I guess, of runners and you can contribute it to the science and running or, or whatever. But there's a new evolution of runners and. Kipchoge's time, I don't think is going to stand as long as we probably thought it would. And I think that two hour marathon barrier in a race setting is probably going to be truly achievable in the next seven to eight years. I would honestly believe you because they had said, you know, the London conditions weren't ideal. Like they had rain it was slippery and it what am i reading he ran the first half of that race in less than an hour like it was 59 oh heavens no, uh, 59 45 no. no it was the second half of the race 
Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, <laughs> if he had, you know, negative or even split that thing, he would have yeah. had it. No, the second half of the race was faster than the first. Yeah, yeah if he would have even, yeah, he would have been under two hours, but. Oh, that's right. It's incredible. I wonder. It really is. Yeah, it was the second. It was the second fastest half marathon split in a world marathon major ever, behind wow. Kipchoge. Yep. I'd like to see, and I haven't seen it, but maybe do like a side by side comparison of twenty three year old Kipchoge and his times and results to to this guy's times and results like right now and see where they stand because that would be a true indicator of will this well yeah and that's and that's the other thing to like consider is like kipchoge spent and most distance athletes i think spend their earlier years on the track right in the shorter distances yep. they're trying to maximize their youth and speed i mean late 2000s early 2010s their kipchoge and bekele just had you know, dozens of epic battles on the track before they even attempted a marathon. That's exactly what I'm looking up right now is, you know, the earliest marathon that I'm honestly seeing from Kipchoge looks like Berlin in 2013. Yeah. But that you're yeah. right. The rest are track. Yeah. He ran, he ran strictly track for a long time. And that's why, I, you know, I, we talked, about good runners that would have a good movie. I don't necessarily think Kip like a strictly Kipchoge movie would be great, but I would love to see a movie chronal, uh, you know, chronicling his fights with Bekele in the track and then how it translated to the marathon. Cause you know, Bekele had, he was the second fastest marathoner up until this past weekend. Yeah. I don't think, wow. I don't think it's a matter of if I think there will be a movie of some sort, you know, about Kipchoge for yeah, sure. Yeah, that like talks about like what aspect of his life will it cover? Like there's I think there's options, but um yeah, there's gonna be a movie about it for sure. Right. But Kelvin Kiptum, so that that's the thing though. Kelvin Kiptum is twenty three years old and he's not running track. He jumped he just jumped straight to the marathon. So is he starting some kind of movement there? Is he going to encourage more young distance runners to forego the shorter distance and try to go to the marathon? Or is this going to hinder him in the long run? And then you'll say, well, the reason why Kipchoge did what he did is because he started on the track. And right. Over, right? Didn't, put as many, yeah. didn't put as many miles on his legs so early. Yeah. It'll be, I mean, I mean, only time will tell, right? Like we have no, like everything right now is just uh, what ifs. Kind of thing. Right. So it'll be fun to just watch this whole thing play out. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously we hope Kelvin Kiptum has a, a great career and we hope to be able to keep watching him. I would love to see him do something. I would love to see him and some other athletes of this generation start to do something akin to, what the last 20 years have been like in tennis. And I don't know how close you closely you guys follow tennis, but for the last 20 years, it's been about three guys, right? It's been about Novak Djokovic, uh, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. And they've, they're the only ones that have won. So I would love to see 
somebody with Kiptum, you know, step up and have like maybe four or five people just dominating the sport for the next however many years to come. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, looking at the women's side, I feel like that's where you see there's not one person that owns that marathon. Yeah. And, you know, like, um, Hassan was the women's, uh, champion. She did it in, I believe two hours and 18 minutes. Yeah. Hassan Safan. Yes. Or Safan Hassan. Sorry. I had that backwards. Safan Hassan. Yeah. But it's interesting because I feel like in the women's field, there's the ages of people are way, way more diverse because you've got Hassan who's 30 and then you've got D'Amato who's still running fast in her 40s. You've got um, Sarah Hall who's in her 40s who's still getting faster. And it's like, you know, we're not really seeing that with the men's side as much as the women's. And maybe it's because we haven't seen men you know, take the marathon past their 40s or, like, get faster in their 40s. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't we... I would watch out for... I would watch out for Safan Hassan because she's she's making the leap from the track to the marathon. That was her debut marathon this weekend at, at London, and she's been dominating on the track for years. So she owns basically every European record at just about every long distance. Yeah, you're right. Middle and long distance running. And I think it's interesting, you know, as road runners, we consider long distance like the half marathon and the full, but track runners consider, you know, the 5K and the 10K to be, you know, the top of their long distance. Yeah. So again, that's what we were saying. So go ahead, Jake. So going back to just the age factor, um, I don't know if you guys remember back the marathon Olympic trials in Atlanta, we know, you know, Galen Rupp won the Olympic trials in 209 and then Jacob Riley was 210. Do you guys remember or know who third place was? No. Uh, it was, it was, go yeah, ahead. it was, and I'm going to probably butcher the name. It was a gentleman named Abdi, Abdi Rahman. <laughs> And he became the oldest qualifier, you know, American qualifier for the marathon and the Olympics. And he was, I think it was 40, he was 42. So, and he made the Olympic team at the age of 42 in the marathon Olympics. Jake Riley's pretty old too, isn't he? Uh, Let's see what he is, his age is. Yeah, I'm curious. But yeah, I just, you know, we're talking about age and, you know, even in your 40s, I mean, you have a shot. Now we've talked before about why we why we think that the a lot of runners tend to peak in their later years, you know. I think a lot of it is experience. I think a lot of it's mental toughness. I think a lot of it is just like runners like we talked about with the track. People people do the track for a few years to test out their their youth and their speed. And then after that starts to fade, they just, the next step is to take it up a distance. So Jake Riley's 34 years old now. Uh, that means he was right. Oh, okay. I thought he was older. Yeah. Than uh, Galen Rupp is 36. Uh, the guy that I mentioned, uh, Abdi Hakim Abdi Rahman, he's 46 years old now. Hmm. Wow. 
So he was 40, he was 43 at the Olympic trials. That's amazing. Yeah, and then on the women's side, even, there was a 37-year-old that made the team. Yeah, and it's Molly Seidel's 28, so she's on the younger side. Still, it's just pretty motivating, you know, to see that, to see those ages and numbers. And, you know, makes me feel bad that I'm complaining about being 42 years old and running. But <laughs> Don't limit yourself, Jake. Hey. Your fastest... Your fastest days could be still ahead of you. I'm considering, and all you ultra marathoners listening in are probably going to get excited about this. I'm considering more and more and more the option of doing an ultra race. And <laughs> this came up again, actually, over the weekend. Actually, I don't want to change subjects, but I got to bring this up because it all ties together, I promise. Um, so we, you were talking about your races that I that you guys did over the weekend. I didn't do a race over the weekend. But I did get voted into the board of directors for a nonprofit organization here in Florida called the Florida Striders. And I'm super, super excited about it. They're a really amazing organization. They've been around for 25 plus years. They do all these scholarships for runners and, and local high school athletes, and they uh, fund a lot of their track events, and they supply them with uniforms and do they do summer camps for running, which I'll get to help uh, coach at now, which is a ton of cool stuff. But a bunch of the, the board members are actually ultra runners, and they were telling me about a couple of the ultra races that are here in Florida. Uh, there's a 24 hour race that they do that's like 35 minutes from my, my house that they do on the track, you know, the 24 hour ultra events on the track. I'm considering it like. I don't know. It's uh, I'm not there this year, probably not next year either, but maybe, you know, in the next three or four years, I, you might see a old Jake doing an ultra. We'll see. Well, first off, congratulations for being, you know, asked to be, or, you know, getting into that, that board. That sounds huge. Yeah, that was, so I've been, I've been trying to put my name in that hat for a while. You know, they're a pretty well-known organization here. And they had a few spots open up. So there was a, a handful of us that put our name in that hat. And I also got to go in with uh, one of my good friends. His name is Bobby. That He's one of the first people I met when I moved here. And we've been running together. And uh, he's on the board with me now, too. Which is just, It's a pretty exciting thing. So I'm pretty pumped about it and get to have a, an impact on you know some young running lives here um, in the Florida area. That's awesome. It'll be cool. But yeah, ultra, ultra, maybe in the cards for Jake, not a trail um, unless JFK 50 happens. But uh, no, this will, I'll probably do my first one. I would prefer on the track if I do one. And most people would probably think that's crazy, but I, (laughs) I love being on the track so much. Like I think I could handle it. You know, I've been injured twice in my running career. Both injuries stemmed from the track. Were you wearing uh, Brooks shoes during both of those injuries? <laughs> you know what? I'm just asking the I question. Actually <laughs> if we're counting variables, you can't just say the track was the only variable. I'm sure there are some other variables to consider. 
No, I wasn't in Brooks, to be honest with you. And that's probably the issue. That's probably why I got injured. I was in non-Brooks. Like, you know, it's another variable to consider. Damn. Well, I don't know. So, like, the track isn't for everybody. And I get that. Chase, I think you said, like, you love being on the track, too, if I remember correctly. Like, you love doing your speed work and stuff on the track. I I like being on the track for, uh, I guess, about the same reasons that people like being on the treadmill. I like the convenience of it. Um, I like being able to dissect my segments down to, you know, every 200 meters. But as far as liking to be on the, I, I guess I like being on the track just because I like to run fast and I like racing. But I don't like going around in loops. See, for me, it's it's almost a nostalgia thing. Like, my running yeah. career started on the track. My prime, every, yeah, like, everything I did that I was the best at, you know, during my running days was on the track. So it just... Uh, yeah, that's probably what it mostly is for me, too. I mean, it's, it's really nostalgia. I loved... The track meets just felt great. And uh, you can't... I mean, and I don't want to say that you can't, but... Um, you know, around my area, we don't have like adult cross country meets outside of like five Ks. You know what I mean? Like they don't have a lot of trail yeah. races. There's nothing like that. So yeah, just being on the track, even just for a workout kind of brings me back to the track days. And, and I just don't get a whole lot of opportunity for something to bring me back to the quote unquote cross country. Yeah. Days. Carolyn, I, correct me if I'm wrong. You've never competed on a track team before, correct? That's correct. So there's what I'll say and what Chase is alluding to is there's just something special about a track meet versus really any other kind of race that's out there. Because number one, you're out there all day. When you're at a track meet, you're there from morning till till evening time. And all the teams that are competing, they're kind of all in this area. So you're you're seeing everyone all at once. You have your tents up in the bleachers. You got the snack bar. Like you got music playing. The announcer going. It's it's like a football game for track athletes. Like it's just it's a it's a really neat experience. And I don't know. It's just hard to it's hard to explain it. It's it's something that I miss even to this day. Like I I miss the track meet experience. Oh, that sounds so fun. And you know. So there's, I live by, not live by, but I run by SMU, so Southern Methodist University, um, and they have a track. And every year, all the fast people in Dallas run a mile time trial or they'll do a 5K. And it's just, I want to go next year because literally people pull off these like, I don't know, 15 minute 5K, sub 15, and it's like, holy cow like i can't even imagine the energy behind that just it just seems so, so well and even at, yeah you gotta at least go at least go to watch it even if you're not gonna run like that sounds like a fun yeah event. i was gonna say because even as a spectator and again i've never really been a spectator i've always been the athlete doing it but i imagine like you know you go to a marathon you know your your fiance caroline goes goes to your marathon your race whatever you're gonna do he sees you twice, right? For the most part, and he sees you at the start. He sees you at the finish. Maybe he's able to make it out to a viewing point. But when you're at the track, like you get to watch the whole entire race unfold in front of you from start to finish. Like it's, it's really neat. Like, I, I don't know. Again, I just, I can't explain it. It's, it's awesome. 
Well, and I'm glad you say that. So I have seen, I actually have, I guess, seen a track meet if you would count the Olympics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I say that because, it, I mean, it's not in person and there's commercial breaks oh, okay. and all that business. But still, but yes. But, right. But it's, you know, you've got your favorites. Like I got to see Allison Felix do her, probably her last Olympic Games, you know, um, I think uh, a couple of Olympics ago, I got to see Bolt uh, do his last Olympics. And it was just, even then watching it, like I got hyped. It's so fun, especially when you get the people like Usain Bolt, the, you know, Michael Phelps, the, just the, the personalities too, right? Like, you don't, you don't get to right. see that very often. You know, every time a football player scores a touchdown, they do a dance. You don't, you don't really get that in track unless you're Usain Bolt or you're a Michael Phelps or you're a Michael Johnson, if you guys remember him back in the day. Like, yeah. Wearing the gold shoes and the gold necklace and all that. Like, it can be entertaining. It can be fun. Like, and especially when you get those high entertainment athletes that are involved. For sure. Okay, y'all are, are making me. I need to go to an in-person track meet. Uh here, here, I got a quick question for you guys, and then we'll get back to what we were talking about. But so I actually went to a couple track meets last year. Okay. So my uh, former coach and his son, who is a former teammate of mine, were the middle school track and field coaches um, at the local middle school, and they invited me to come watch one. So I went. My wife didn't have any interest in going, but. She continuously tells me how weird that was for me to go watch a middle school track meet by myself. <laughs> so, is the question: Do we think it's weird? Yeah, do you I'm going to say no. In all honesty, <laughs> um, and again, part of it will go back to I just love track. Like I don't know, is it weird if like would she think it's weird if you went and watched a high school football game or? You know, or, a, right. you know, I, I don't know. To me, it's not weird. And it's not like middle school track meets have like a ton of them. You know, there, there's 10 track meets a year. I, I, you know, right. it's usually one or two, right, that they do. So you're kind of watching an event. You're not just watching like something that's going to go on every single weekend. And you get to see young talent. Like, I don't know. To me, I would I would do it. I would have gone and watched it with you, Chase. And that probably would have made it even weirder to, you know, to uh, middle-aged guys going to watch this uh, middle school track meet. But I wouldn't have thought it was weird at all. <laughs> no, I think that probably would have been normal. Just, I don't know. Like I said, apparently, apparently it's weird. What about you, Carolyn? Is that weird? No. And I was literally just thinking how hyped adults get to go to their kids soccer games on the weekends so i feel like you guys going to a middle school track meet is less in intense than that well and to chase's wife's point she's probably going like you don't have, it's not like you have a relative that's competing in this track meet or you didn't know it was competing right and and she never ran track yeah. or anything so she just so doesn't she, really doesn't yeah, really she's understand probably going it, like so. what's the like that you have no skin in the game like why are you going to watch this like right right i don't know my wife thinks it's, it's weird that i run period so she would anything like that she's gonna <laughs> actually i, I 
I would say she's numb to it now. So she doesn't really care anymore. I tried to get her to listen to my podcast in the vehicle today. And, you know, <laughs> well, I kind of forced it upon her. She had no choice. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I love my wife. Wife, See, if you're listening, I... by the way, I love you. I don't think I have listened to our podcast episodes for more than like two minutes because I don't like hearing my voice. <laughs> Heroin, you are, you're the voice though. You're the, you're the standout voice. You're the intro to all of our videos. Yep. Yeah. You're what makes but, them interesting. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's, I know people say that they don't like to hear their voice. Okay, well, I really don't like to hear my voice because I feel like it sounds so much lower than what I'm hearing. I just, I don't so know. I, I hear our <laughs> voice, and I get where you're coming from because I like. I think that's yeah, everybody. Like, I envy isn't it? your like, voices, like both yours. I'm like, oh, Chase is that he's got that announcer voice that you know he's going to be the announcer for the NBA and you know just get the get the whole crowd uh, hyped, and then Carolyn's got that super excited voice like. You're the cheerleader, the one that'll just rally the team together. I feel like I got Napoleon Dynamite's voice. I'm just like, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm the, what's the teacher in Ferris Bueller? I was like, Bueller, Bueller. Bueller. Bill Nye. Or not not Bill Nye. It was the other side. Yeah. Theorized guy. Speaking Bueller. of Napoleon Dynamite, hey Jake, can I have your tots? <laughs> Give me some chocolate, dude. I'm, I've got we we got uh, tater tot casserole for our lunches this week. <laughs> me and my wife meal prep tater tot casserole. Okay, fine then. Chase, can I have your tots? <laughs> I've got plenty. I've got all kinds of tots. I always do that with my <laughs> wife out when uh, we're in the car, we're in bed, and I want her to hand me chapstick. She still doesn't get it. I'm like, Petsy, hand me some chapstick. Gosh. She's like, why, why are you cheating? She still no. doesn't get it. Has she no, seen the no, bullet dynamite? Has, no. She has no clue. But I still do it because it's just fun. Like, give us some chapstick. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, and just like that, we've lost our entire running audience. Back right, to running. Right. 37 minutes and 59 seconds in. Go. <laughs> but actually, okay, so just to wrap up this track before we get back into the marathon distance. So I was doing some research on Usain Bolt because he kind of dropped off the face of the track uh, well, world. You know why, though, right? And, like when he retired? Um, he got injured. What? He, yeah, he pulled a hand, oh, hamstring injury um, during a world athletic championship. Um. He refused a wheelchair and crossed, crossed the finish line one last time with the assistance of his teammates. Well, I'm pretty Oh, I think yeah. I do remember that. I'm also pretty sure, like, since then, since retirement, um, and you guys may know more about this, but he, like, there, he was a victim of fraud or something. And, yeah. like, he lost, like, a lot of his money. Yeah. I don't know all the specifics, but yeah, you're right. Whoa. He also tried out for a soccer team and maybe a professional football team. I, That's like the equivalent of... Lance Armstrong trying to be a marathon runner? Okay. That's a joke. 
Okay. <laughs> or Tim, Tim Tebow, That's Tim not a Tebow joke. trying to be a baseball player? Yes. <laughs> there. That that's exactly what that is. Yes. What in the it's, world? It's like Lance Armstrong being a marathon runner would be a pretty easy transition. Well, he did I would do think. the marathon. I don't remember. He like he ran a decent time yeah. too. I don't remember. What, but... Yeah, he's ran. He's ran yeah. at least one marathon. I don't remember what I got it. But I mean, the dude. I'm gonna look it up now while you guys are. The dude uh, finished however many Tour de France's. I yeah. was going to say he won Tour de France's, but I guess he technically didn't win anymore. So, Well, I mean, that's, like you said, super easy transition because he's already got the quad strength. He's got the endurance. It's like, you know, I feel like it would be pretty easy for Lance to just slide into even triathlons, you know? Right. With a little bit of training, you know? Yeah, so his... Right. His PR in the marathon is 259.36. That was back in 2006. That was, huh. doesn't say which marathon it was. In 2019, he ran uh, the Austin, actually, uh, Austin Marathon. Uh, he ran that in 302. <laughs> I think fantastic. it looks like that's the last marathon he ran. Hmm. Well, all right. <laughs> speaking of marathons, I did want to kind of talk about cutoff times in the marathon. Um, and kind of what sparked it was at the London Marathon, there was the last finisher who finished in eight hours and 10 minutes, which is about a 16 minute per mile time. And Somebody, I saw a comment actually, and somebody was like, well, I walk my dogs faster than that. And it's like, what? But I mean, even the, even though the guy finished in eight hours and 10 minutes, there were still spectators there. He was still cheered on very loudly. He definitely earned his medal, but I kind of wanted to ask you guys, so, you know, do you think all races should have the same cutoff times, whether it be six hours, eight hours, whatever, or should there be different marathon cutoff times based on hilly courses, flat courses, downhill courses, um, I don't know, world major courses. So what well, do you guys think? Well, I think the biggest thing about cutoff times, I don't think that cutoff times are necessarily in any way, shape or form the responsibility of the marathon itself or the people putting on the marathon because the cutoff times are generally there for the crowd surface surfacing you know like the the city of boston isn't going to stay shut down for you know more than they already are i mean it's basically shut down that entire day anyway but I'm sure that London's the same way. I think the the established cutoff times are based off what is feasible for the city to keep their their roads shut. I don't think it's necessarily the fault of any. But, any yeah, one so I agree 100%. And so to me it's not so much a matter of the race, it's a matter of the destination. Like where where is it? That's what right. reflects the cutoff time standards because to Chase's point, New York City, London, Boston, Chicago, basically any of the big six, in my opinion, 
they're probably all should have a relatively same cutoff time because they're all relatively equally busy as far as cities go. But it's really up to the city, not necessarily the organization. But you've also got Boston, which is a one-way course, that's true. versus yeah. London, which is a circular course. Yeah, that is true. Uh, that's, uh, that's definitely something to factor. Uh, I think it's the only one that's a point-to-point. But to that the point sense. of the to the point of the person that finished, uh, as far as getting heckled about it, that's just not something that we like seeing in the running community. You know, if a person finishes a marathon that's that's an accomplishment in itself oh yeah definitely that's something i I mean i know we all live by here on the podcast and uh, yeah that that that's wrong for sure yeah and you know as somebody who has did not finish a marathon you know it crossed my mind like you know i could either dnf or i could do a 16 minute pace or, you know, or just finish when I finish. And it's not like every marathon, I would be like, you know what, I'm going to run a seven hour marathon, or I'm going to run a six hour marathon, and I'm going to train for it. Nobody, you know, I didn't ask for my DNF, I didn't train for my DNF. But really, my two options were step off course, or I could run walk as slow as I could with my injury. And I think people are so quick to judge and be like, oh, this person did a they were the last person across the finish line yada 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 well as somebody who truly experienced that like i now see the side of the people like the quote-unquote back of the pack runners or those of us that have really like not our best days right and i think that you know your dnf too you know if we if we look at the circumstances you you were comfortable not finishing that race because you know you knew that one, you had other races on the horizon. You knew that wasn't going to be the end of your story. Two, it wasn't your first marathon. So, uh, I mean, all those things kind of factor into it, too. If I'm somebody who's trying to run their first marathon and say I don't get to finish because of a cutoff time, then I'd be upset. But at the same time, you have to know you know, those cutoff times aren't made up the day of the race. You have to know that going in. And if it's a question of whether or not you're going to be able to meet that cutoff time, then that's just another battle with yourself that you have yeah, to fight. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, and to Chase's point, it's it becomes an issue of safety at a certain point, right? For the runner, for the city, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. Um, you know, for everyone that's involved. Yes. I, I, I think everyone that wants to do the marathon deserves the chance to do the marathon. And at the same time, though, they have to know what they can't do and, and, and accept the, I guess, the consequences or accept what happens if you can't, you know, if you start it and you can't do it. Um, and it's nothing against them and their goal. And I hope they try again and again and again. But it does come down to a safety concern, I think, for that runner and for uh, the volunteers and the people working in the city and just everyone, to be honest with you. So there's a lot that goes. I mean, there's a million ways you can pull it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough call. Like, I, I want to cheer for that runner at the same time, you know. Like I, I, 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And listener, I don't want you to think that we're, we're trying to, you know, say, oh, you're not a runner if you can't finish your marathon in this time and stuff. It's, it's literally because that, that assumes what we are not trying to explain. It's like, you know, and you've got to think of the volunteers too. Like, we're all firm you... believers that, that a runner is a runner and, and no matter what your, your distance or no matter what your pace is that, you know, a runner is a runner at the end of the day. And if you're a runner that's aspiring to be a marathon runner, then we absolutely encourage that too. And to Jake's point, we are going to root for you 1000%, but at the same time, there's, there's other factors and there's things that, you know, you, you need to be prepared for going into the race too. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not stuff that is just dropped on people the day of the race. So. Yeah. And people have to understand that races are competitions. Like it's, it's not, I mean, anybody that, that wants to enter the competition, absolutely. But even with, you know, track meets and stuff, people get disqualified. They, they don't make the cutoff, things like that. Even with Boston, truly, like I, I, as somebody who has not run Boston, I am not upset that I have not qualified because I understand that there is a standard. I understand the qualifications. I understand what I need to do, but that also translates to the marathon. Like I know that I have to run at least, I think the six hour cutoff is like a, a 1344. So that doesn't discredit my running ability, but that tells me that I have to get in that competitive mindset and train as hard as I can to be able to honor that standard. Let me ask you mm -hmm. this, a, a sort of related question. If you DNF'd a race for whatever reason, right? Injury, cutoff, whatever it may be, would you, like right now when you DNF, you go to the results page, you'll see your name at the bottom of those results as, you know, Jacob Irwin DNF, right? Would you rather not have your name on that results page at all if you DNF'd? Or do you want it on there, you know, publicly saying I DNF'd? That's tough because, you know, my name isn't on the CIM results page in 2022. And I mean, it sucked to tell people, hey, I didn't finish the marathon and people saw my time stop, you know, so people are going to find out either way. So I just told myself, you know what, I'm going to own it. Like, I'm going to tell people about it and I'm going to grow from it um, because I truly don't want to not finish a marathon again. Like I, you know, if anything, it forced me to recover. It forced me to, I'm now very consistent. I'm very excited about this next training cycle. Um, and I've upped my goals and I've upped my, my standards of myself and my expectations. And, and, what, and where I'm going yeah. at with this too, it, and I'm actually, so it sounds like you, correct me if I'm wrong, Carolyn, you are like, put my name on there. Like, you know, if it's, a, if your name's on there, you're you're okay with that right yeah. i have to be you know like that's part of my running and, story and my thought process is i dnf'd it but i still ran that race right and again i've never dnf'd before that 
if I were to DNF tomorrow, I would still want to have credit for running that race, even if I didn't finish that race. You know what I mean? So the point I'm trying to make is if you didn't meet that cutoff time, you still ran that race, right? And you you put forth a pretty awesome effort and you have something a baseline to go off of for the next time, the next time you do it. I don't care um, if the world sees it or not, but I want I want the world to know that I ran that race. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Jake. You know, and it's it's a testament to how vast this sport can be and is. You know, everybody's different. I say that all the time. Every single person is different. We all have different body types. We all have different running forms. We all have different running plans. We all have different running goals. And for me, you know, I have a DNF on my record from a few years ago. And honestly, I never, never went back and looked for my result. I have not done that just because I I knew I didn't finish and I didn't care. Um, I do. I personally, me, myself, I do not give myself credit for that race. That like when I'm doing my uh, inventory of how many marathons I've done, I don't count that one. But to your point, Jake, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've done multiple marathons. The person who has not done multiple marathons, the person who's maybe doing their first marathon, you know, that that can go a long way that credit that validity that you were there and you gave it your all and it you know you may not across the finish line but but you did it you were there i think it's interesting the amount of grace we give other people because i'm the same like i'm under the same impression that you are chase like you showed up you ran it regardless but i'm so critical on myself i'm like dang it. Nope. That wasn't marathon number five. It doesn't matter that I survived the training cycle. Doesn't matter that I showed up. I don't count it. Oh, I don't 100%, deserve 100%. that. We're all but, our own worst critic. I think, I think almost every runner can, can say that about themselves too. <laughs> yeah. But like this, this guy that ran the, you know, eight hour plus marathon in London, uh, my gosh, when I saw that he was the last person to cross, I wanted to just jump through the screen and hug him. Yeah. You know, it's a cool thing to see. I actually get, tell me if you guys feel the same way. I get pretty much equally as excited to see those quote unquote back of the pack runners cross the finish line as I do seeing, you know, Galen Rupp, you would Kipchoge, like those guys cross. Like we, we know what they're going to do, right? They're going to be a top 10 finisher and it's going to be exciting and exhilarating. It's going to be super fast and you get to see that. But I also like watching that person cross the finish line for the first time and, and just the, the, the excitement Absolutely. in their eyes. Like, it's Absolutely. so fun. Yeah, anybody that you don't, like you said, Jake, you don't see it with the elites very often. You know, they they just ran another marathon. And unless they did something like break a world record or come close to breaking a world record, like who, you know, oh, congratulations, you won. But those people in the back of the pack or anywhere in the middle of the pack, anytime, it, once you get to the average Joe runner, completing his goal or, or beating his goal time, those are pure and real emotions that can be felt 
miles away, whether you're watching it from the stands at the finish line or you're watching it through your TV. So I'm glad you said that. So one of my uh, plans for 2024 is to pace a six-hour marathon. Um, so I'm part of a, a training group, and I know a friend who consistently paces the six-hour, six-and-a-half-hour marathon group. Um, I was supposed to pace with her back in March, but my coach told me not to because I wasn't trained. But, you know, they always look like they're having so much fun. They always look like they're working way harder than I ever looked during a race. Um, and I feel like, honestly, I'm going to be real with you. I feel like those six hour and six and a half hour people, it means more to them than it ever will to me crossing the finish line. Like, I feel like sometimes I take my finish line crossing for granted. I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't think that because I, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoy my uh, finish line crossings, but I hope that they do. You know, I really hope everybody gets at least as much joy out of crossing the finish line every time as, as I do. Yeah. And I only say that because this past weekend, you know, when I crossed the finish line, I didn't really feel any emotion. I was like, whatever, it's another half. And maybe that's because I didn't go into it feeling prepared and I didn't, you know, I showed up to the start line. I was late. I was upset. I was hungry and stuff like that. But I feel like you know, that first, that person that shows up for their first marathon or their first half marathon, they're so gung ho. And I don't know, maybe I need to get back to that point, or maybe I need to run with the, the back of the Packers to just really experience that joy. Speaking of, of joy, and I don't mean to do a total 360 here, but we're talking about the finish. One thing that I really enjoy about race day is actually the warm up. And especially in some of these smaller, you know, the smaller local races that I do, it's one of the coolest feelings for me as a runner when I'm warming up on the course and, you know, people are high-fiving me and, hey, good luck out there. And, you know, a lot of people know my name or whatever and getting to the starting line and seeing people, you know, just talking to each other and having fun. That warm-up experience is also one of the reasons why I love racing as much as I do. And, and if you guys listening didn't know, racing is my favorite part of running. But yeah, I love that warm up and that starting line experience just as much as I love that crossing the finish line experience too. I don't, what are your guys' thoughts on that? No. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, no it, you painted a beautiful picture there, Jake, but I, I don't think I can relate. Um, I, the, the whole warming up aspect of, of the, it's just not something well, not that I ever really look warm up, to, but for me, it's, it's like Christmas morning. <laughs> like every, every night before a race, it's like, I'm so excited and I can't really sleep. And I, you know, I wake. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I can, I, I can sympathize with there, that. I'm seeing I can, everybody, I can feel that, yeah. energy's going, you know, it, yeah, I used to never be able to sleep the night before a race. Lately, I've not had an issue, but yeah, I used to have a hard time sleeping the night before yeah, a race because I was so excited. Racing so exciting. It's it's so much fun. And again, it goes back to people crossing the finish line for the first time. Like Every time I cross the finish line or get to a race, I almost feel like it's my first time doing it. Like I get that emotion. So to see someone else get to share that with me, it's just, it's a cool thing. It's a really cool thing to see. So I encourage that for, for everyone. Uh, 
man, I sound so cynical. And maybe it's because I'm coming out of a period of burnout where running is so fun again and I'm finding peace and joy. Like, you know, I'm pacing my first half marathon in June and I picked the two hour group, A, because I feel like that's a pace that I can sustain and B, man, it's, I know so many people's goal who's to run a sub two hour marathon or half marathon. I'm, I bet you those people are going to light, like light my fire. They're going to have the I'd biggest celebration. I'd love for you to pace me to run a two hour marathon though, if that's in the cards. <laughs> I said, I said half. <laughs> I said half. Gosh. Uh, well, that's cool. And again, we, we've always said it. There's no wrong reason to run. Whatever your reason is, it's the right reason to do it. Unless you're running from the law. Right. Uh, don't do that. There's my horrible dad yeah, joke of the don't. day. I think I'm going to come up with one horrible dad joke of every podcast. <laughs> there you go. Um, I wish you could see my eye roll. We could segue that into a, a horrible segment dad jokes with Jake. Where we, uh, yeah, horrible dad jokes with Jake. And then has anybody actually ran <laughs> from the cops? See, that gets into people's criminal history. And then that gets. Like no, okay, dark. can I share a story with you? <laughs> let me share. Let me share. Let me share a six, <laughs> I opened share up that fun game, man. Story. So in college, uh, I think I was a sophomore in college. I had an apartment. Um, I was roommates with a. It was a girl, but she was a good friend of mine, and we had a party there. Now I never was much of a drinker. I think I told you guys that. And when I do drink, I would get drunk pretty fast. And that's part of the reason why I was never much of a drinker. And at this party, uh, it like bits and pieces of it are still there. But I was sitting on the couch. I was drunk on the on the couch in the living room. All of a sudden, everybody started running out the back door. I don't know why they were running. So I just started running with them. And they're all hopping the fence because we had this little backyard in our apartment. They're all hopping the fence. I don't know why they're hopping the fence. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go hop this fence. And I ran to it, but I forgot to hop the fence. And I just ran into the fence and I knocked myself out. And <laughs> I, I woke up in the living room <laughs> with the police officers there. <laughs> and they were really cool about it. Like they didn't do anything. They were just like, oh, noise complaint. Like, you, you know, a slap on the wrist. That's all it was. But yeah, have I ran from the cops? Technically, I didn't know I was doing it, but I did. And I, it lasted about three seconds and I got knocked out unconscious running into the fence. <laughs> oh dear. And that's why Jake doesn't drink. I respect that. <laughs> well, runner, we hope you are almost done with your long run. You are having a relaxing part of your day or your drive. Um, we hope you learned a little bit about Jake's criminal history because I definitely <laughs> did. I was like 19. Give me a break. No, I'm nah, just kidding. No. Yeah, my running from the cop stories. I don't think I was 19. I'm pretty sure it was legal. I think I was 21. So, yeah. <laughs> but still. Anyways, next subject. Gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this will bring us to the end of episode four. Guys, any final thoughts? Um, don't drink. And if you're a runner, I guess, I don't know. 
Uh, Chase said it. A runner is a runner. Whatever your reason is, go out there and enjoy it and do it. And you got three cheerleaders right here that'll be rooting you on the whole way. Absolutely. And if you have any inspiring runner stories, any back of the pack stories, any awesome moments, please feel free feel free to email us at runtalklive at gmail.com. And make sure if you guys got any good topics that you want to hear more about, definitely message us. Let us know. We're open to ideas. If you're looking for any fun current events going on and running this next weekend, Penn Relays is happening. It is one of the biggest track meets in the world. There are two colleges, Washington University and Oklahoma State, that are going to be eyeing the world record for the four-by-one-mile run. So check that out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Peace out. Deuces.